The idea of this podcast is simple, discipleship. We want to bring the gospel message about how to interact with your coworkers, your culture, your friends, everyone around you in a biblical way, which is, in essence, discipleship. What did Jesus do when he came to this earth? He took the devil's stuff. The Bible actually teaches that the world is becoming increasingly covered with the knowledge of the glory of God. That should change everything in the mind of a Christian. Instead of thinking about all the ways society is failing, we should think about all the ways society must be, as Psalm 1101 tells us, put underneath the feet of Jesus in victory. The Rebel Podcast. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome back to the Rebel Podcast. And as always, you got P Nate and the weak link Pooty. I'm sticking with that. I feel good about that. It's kind of fun to say. I think it's fine. Um, For those who have only started listening to us recently, Chris has had probably three or four nicknames throughout the course of our adventure together. It it was always Pooty because that's just always what I call him. For a little while, he tried to push the vanilla Knox because he thought that was cool. That was a good one. Never took root. Never happened. What else did we try? I felt, felt like there was a few. It was Pooty Tang. Pooty Tang. That was yeah. That was Kemp that was England uh, gave him that one. So that, here's the thing: is that when you're when you're blessed slash cursed with the last name Poots, nobody ever <laughs> wants to refer to you as anything but names that rhyme off of that that's true therefore i am i'm having to come up with my own nicknames i'm fine with it so ever ever since that it's been like an episode of seinfeld where where george costanza is trying to get everybody to call him t-bone and instead he ends up as coco the monkey oh look at coco he's loving it Uh, (laughs) he's really giving it to (laughs) t-bone that's good so who are we nate all right, so we're the Rebel Podcast, and uh, we are part of the Fight, Laugh, Feast Canada Network. Dr. Aaron Rock's uh, Leadership Now podcast is on the Canadian side of the app with us, and there's a few others that we're uh, getting off the ground that Chocolate Knox and Gabe Wrench are getting off the ground for the Canada side of this whole app, but welcome. We've got some good positive feedback. Gabe sent me some emails that you guys have been sending in saying that you appreciate the podcast, which is great. We're so happy to hear that. If you want to give back to the show, there's kind of two ways that you can support us. Number one, you can become a Fight, Laugh, Feast club member. That gives you discounts on all kinds of things, including the upcoming rally in Tennessee, and also just gives you access to the back portal where there's a whole lot of content. Uh, We're looking at putting some content back there, just uh, working that out with Knox right now. And that's one way you can do it as the network is supported and grows. Uh, So do we. So thank you to everybody who are club members. Uh, The other way you can get back to the show is you can go to Patreon patreon.com slash reformed rebel and then you can give directly to our show and that just helps us with uh overhead costs and uh we're, we're looking to get some merch and stuff ready so anyway lots of cool stuff happening and uh we're so thrilled to be a part of this big network full of people some new podcasts on the american side of this as well which are great so anyway happy to be a part of this network and that's who we are okay so the fight life feast network has a baseball podcast yeah that i've checked yeah. out which is great yeah in the I'm- bullpen what do you think the chances they're going to let me do a soccer podcast are? You know, oh just a straight like I'll do it on know. my own. I don't know. You're gonna to have to you're gonna to have to talk to the big guns about that one. I'm sure I'm sure it would take some negotiating, but you know, I, well, there's got to be a closet soccer fan over there somewhere, right? You're probably gonna get Gabe Ranch who's like, look, man, is if you don't tell anybody that I'm a soccer fan, then uh, you can do it. I suspect I'm 
in the very much minority in the people perhaps, who listen to our perhaps, podcast. But, uh, but, but go for it. Hey, hey, you know what? All the power to you, Chris. If you talk soccer into a microphone and put it out for the world to hear, then I don't have to hear anything about soccer anymore. <laughs> so there you go. It's a win-win. So well, you'd have to listen to it to support me. No? I, I just put it on mute while, uh, while I'm letting you get the download there. Four times speed, four times speed. <laughs> yeah, just like go. get through it in like a minute. That's anyway. funny. All right, well, <clears throat> so we're actually, we have a topic today. I have a topic today. Chris, <laughs> Chris knows nothing about this topic today. Literally, we just, we, we wanted to get something out for this week. And we've been talking a lot about everything going on here in Canada and COVID. But we have a whole b- a bunch of new listeners who we just kind of intro- want to introduce to some of the things that we do. All right. So uh, as you know, this podcast exists to equip Christians to engage culture with a biblical worldview. And one of the things that we used to do quite a bit of is we would we would sort of analyze commercials and movies, and we'd play this game we call Spot the Lie. So Chris, why don't you um, just explain briefly what Spot the Lie is? And not that we're really spotting the lie, but we're going to kind of take a, a popular movie today, and it kind of got my wheels turning on a cool topic. So I'm going to put you on the spot a few times, including right now, what's Spot the Lie? <laughs> Yeah, no problem. Spot the lies a game you play with your kids. But basically what it is, is you watch like a movie or a commercial or a TV show, and you basically pick out all the things that they're teaching you without right. overtly teaching you. So the, the lie about what's true in, in the world. So for instance, we all know that God created the earth. So one of the lies that could be put out in like cartoons or, or uh, movies is evolution. You know what I mean? Right. They just, they speak it as it's, a, as if it's a fact. And so us as being aware consumers aware people who are watching it would stop and pick out the lie that they're teaching you while you're while you're watching it um it's just a it's a way to basically train your mind to think biblically even though you're taking in content that isn't christian at its core right there is no right. neutrality which means exactly. everything that's produced is either pushing the gospel forward or it's pushing the other narrative forward and right so it's either telling the truth right. about god's world or telling a lie about god's world right exactly and, exactly and and so this kind of started with uh, my daughter um you know i had a bunch of friends who were into frozen that disney princess movie and so just of course, let that go i know i know this is kind of the genesis of the whole thing is um we're we're watching you know the the famous song let it go in frozen one and one of the lines in that song is when she says uh, you know elsa says no right no wrong no rules for me i'm free and uh and so what i did when i was i was listening to my my daughter try to belt this out and watching the show i would pause it and i would say hey quinn like what's the lie that was just told to you there. And of course she's young, so she didn't quite get it, but I'm trying to teach my kids how to spot the lie in the media, the movies, everything that they're watching. And so of course the lie there is that freedom comes from being set free from the standards of right and wrong. And we would just say, biblically, that's obviously a lie because true freedom comes when we live within the boundaries of how God made the world. And so being free from God's standard of right and wrong does not create freedom. It actually creates slavery. And of course, I'm telling my five-year-old at the time that, um, so, you know, using her language for it, but we started playing this game, spot the lie. And so we would pull up commercials, we pull up movies, and we try to teach people how to spot the lie. And this is one great way, by the way, listeners, parents especially, this is a great way to begin to disciple your kids. Because even when you're watching Paw Patrol, you're gonna, you'll, you'll be shocked at how often these subtle lies will come up. And if you start training your kids to catch the lies, you're going to be uh, equipping them well to interact with a world that lies to them an awful lot. Okay. So yeah, that's but husbands, husbands, be careful when you play this with your wife, um, because like 
Sometimes they get angry if you keep pausing the movie and saying, <laughs> now, what did, yes. now what did you learn? Yeah. Um, Apparently, I'm not a fun guy to watch movies with because we pause. It, it, gets, it gets very annoying. It gets um, it annoying. Us, so we watched Robin Hood together, <laughs> me, Nate, and our wives, and it took five hours because Nate <laughs> kept pausing and being like, now, what did little John say? That, yeah. that was incorrect, yeah. Chris. Yeah. And I'd four like, four well. bottles of wine later, the, <laughs> everybody's drunk and Nate keeps pausing the show. No, okay. Yeah, so so definitely pick your battles on, on where you do this, but it's a great game. So spot the lie. So last night, my wife fell asleep a little bit early and uh, I was looking for something to watch because she kind of fell asleep and I couldn't get up and I didn't have a book within reach. So I put on uh, Netflix and uh, and I was just looking for something. Apparently there's nothing on Netflix. Oh no, sorry. It was Disney. I think it was Disney. Anyway, whatever I put on, there's nothing on there. And so I just pulled out oldie buddy goodie pooty, The Dark Knight. It's one of your favorite movies, isn't it? Top five. No, it's not. It's not one of my favorite movies. It is my favorite movie. Nice. Um, it's the I will I will say this and then I'll get flame for this like all over the internet. I'm sure it's the best movie ever created. It's perfect. There's nothing wrong with the movie. There's oh. no flaw. Oh. It's acted well. It's produced well. It's got a great story, and it's Batman. And I'm a Batman guy. So did therefore... you like the change from Katie Holmes to Maggie Gyllenhaal? Yes, I like I like oh, uh, okay. Maggie Gyllenhaal better than I like Katie Holmes. Oh, okay. Kate, See, I was Kate, gonna... here, <laughs> Maggie Gyllenhaal looks like she actually looks like she should be the age to be like you know a DA attorney kind of thing. She kind of looks the part. That's With Katie fair. Holmes, I was like, she looks like she just got out of high school. How is she yeah, already? She did in... Dawson's Creek. She just like I don't got understand out of this. The, the boat going up the creek, and she went into law school immediately. And I've, I've never seen Dawson's Creek. I have no idea what you're talking uh, about. Oh yeah, me neither. Uh, <laughs> okay, so <laughs> all right, now that we've now that we both have all kinds of stuff, people can uh, make fun of us for. <clears throat> Here's what we wanted to talk about today, or I guess this is what I wanted to talk about today. So, Chris, why don't you set it up? I assume most people have seen The Dark Knight. If not, they should. You could pause the podcast right now and go watch it. I've been like but, 16 years, so like yeah, so watch watch The Dark Knight. But we're we're gonna going to describe the opening scene actually chris is going to describe the opening scene since he thinks it's all perfect so describe the opening scene to jog people's memory or just to, to get uh, set up set up the scene here okay awesome so the opening scene is there's a bank um in the united states i'm in gotham city which is supposed to be chicago basically um anyway there's a bank and it's about to be robbed by a group of clowns so not like actual clowns just men wearing clown masks um and we see Basically, these clowns go about through this very elaborate bank robbery. Yeah, zip lining right across down to the yeah, exactly right down to the wire. But the catch of this whole bank robbery is every facet that they do. Um, so like you know, one guy takes out the security. One guy is driving the getaway bus, which is all planned. Um, one guy's packing the money. Each clown in this in this bank robbery has a specific role, and then the person who's assisting him in that role is actually tasked with another role, which is to kill the person who does the role. So for instance, the one clown deactivates the alarm and immediately gets assassinated by his partner clown because he's fulfilled his role. So therefore he's expendable. And it goes all the way through until you get to, to the final two clowns, which um, obviously at that point, they know the game, the game is up at this point. So one of them tries to kill the other one. And spoilers, the one clown had it playing perfectly where the bus breaks through the wall kills that that fifth clown and then they escape in a school bus which is a brilliant scene let me just point that out that was very high level Do you yeah high level that's good so what you have is you have this bank robbery like you said five clowns so the very first two they like you said cut the security system and the one who cuts the security system as soon as he's done gets shot in the back of the head the guy who shot him 
goes down into the vault and opens the vault, right? So they each have a special set of skills. The guy, as he's opening the vault, says uh, the, the other clown, who's the money bag guy, he comes up and he says, where's the other guy? Boss the told respond- me to get rid of it. Yeah. Boss. He says, yeah, the boss told me to get rid of him. And he's like, one less, one less portion share. or yeah, one less share. And the guy behind him, who's about to shove all the money in the bag says, Oh, that's funny. He told me something similar. And then he shoots the guy who opens the vault. So now this third clown fills up the bag with, uh, with money and he goes up and he's in the bank with the Joker. You don't know it's the Joker because they're all wearing the masks. And uh, he says, I, I guess the boss told you to kill me. Right. And the Joker's response is no, 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 no. I, I killed the bus driver. So what this guy figured out is that each person was meant to kill the guy who right after he did his job, right? And you're taking down sort of the guy ahead of you in terms of, okay, so the guy takes out the alarm. He's sort of been the most valuable guy in this heist thus far. He gets taken out. And then you step up to the plate and you do your job. You open the bank vault and then you get taken out. And the next most valuable guy puts all the money in the bag, right? And so, but that third clown, what he, what he recognizes is he's onto the game and he knows that the next guy is going to try to kill him. So he tries to kill the guy before he kills him. So the reason I'm going through all of this is because it reminded me of, there's a guy in the French Revolution and his name was Jacques Malet Dupin. Now, I, my French is terrible, but that's, that's what he- You nailed it. And he wrote, he wrote, like Saturn, the revolution eats itself. Okay, so in the midst of the French Revolution, Jacques Malet Dupin writes, like Saturn, the revolution eats itself. And colloquially, that quote just became, revolutions devour their own children. And where that phrase is coming from is actually from Roman mythology, okay? So in Roman mythology, Saturn is one of the chief gods, and his father was Uranus. And Saturn, in order to liberate and free himself and his siblings from his tyrannical father's rule, actually castrates his father, Uranus. Good old Roman and Greek mythology. There's always blood somewhere, right? And so he castrates his father, Uranus, in order to free him and his siblings from the tyranny of their father. But what happens is that he quickly realizes that his authority and his power is derived from his lineage, from his, from his ancestry, right? So Uranus is the god and his father, Uranus is actually said to be heaven itself or the, the, the god of heaven itself. And so when he castrates his father, he sort of no longer has the, the power or the authority that would have been der- derived from being the son of this god, Uranus. And so what happens is his children then become suspicious and start looking at him saying, well, now we should kill our father. So Saturn's kids are saying, we should now kill our father to liberate ourselves from his rule. The point here is that everybody wants to rule. And the moment some, like the king or the god gets taken out, everybody on the hierarchy gets moved up in the chain, right? So that's what happened in the Batman scene, right? So once the alarm tech guy gets, uh, gets killed, the next guy who was number two is now number one. And so he has to get killed. And there's this hierarchy. So what happens in the story actually is that Saturn eats his own children, all his male children, that is. 
So in order to prevent his children from revolting against him, like he revolted against his father, he ends up eating his own children. So that's where the phrase like Saturn, the revolution eats itself or like Saturn, revolutions devour their own children. That's where that whole phrase comes from. The idea here is that revolutions always lead to a purge, okay? And so he devoured his own sons and this money bag clown would have killed the Joker had the Joker not planned everything perfectly. So he understood, okay, I'm not just killing the guys on the top. I'm also killing the guys underneath. So why are we talking about all this? Well, here's, here's what I'm thinking. I'm, I, I read an article, and this is where it all kind of came together in my head the other night. It's actually a global news article. The headline is this, New Zealand's Laurel Hubbard to become first transgender athlete to compete at the Olympics. So first of all, Chris, I just want your, your thoughts on this. Let me read a couple things, then I want your thoughts, and then I'm going to try to tie all this together. Weightlifter Laurel Hubbard will become the first transgender athlete to compete at the Olympics after being selected by New Zealand for the women's event at the Tokyo Games, a decision set to test the ideal of fair competition in sport. Hubbard will compete in the super heavyweight, that's 87 kilograms plus category. Her selection made possible by updated qualifying requirements. The 43-year-old had previously competed in men's weightlifting competitions before her transition in 2013. I'm grateful and humbled for the, by the kindness and support that's been given to me and by so many New Zealanders, Hubbard says in a statement. And then it goes on and it actually has a clip on uh, global news of a female feminist athlete who is actually saying that this isn't fair, that this man who's transitioned, transgender, into, I'm putting scare quotes here, just so everybody knows, uh, in transition into a woman. So first of all, give me your thoughts on that whole news story, that whole scenario. Yeah, my, fir my first thought is I agree with the feminist. It's not fair. Um, <laughs> this is systematically destroys any kind of illusion that we ever had that men and women weren't equal, or sorry, that are equal in, the, in these matters in terms of like sports and athletics and stuff like that, because of the simple fact that like, it's no longer fair for women. Uh, because like the trans the transgender athlete comes in and let's like I I'm I'm not I'm not afraid of offending people we do it every week. Simple fact is men are bigger and they're stronger and they're faster. It's not because of anything but simple testosterone. We have a lot of it. Women don't have much, very much of it. Well, if you talk That's to Joe Rogan, it also has to do with the hips. I, you know what? You know what I, I was I was trying to not say that. <laughs> so like the hips are different. They're different shaped. Um, but like no, but like simple fact is it ruins women's sports. The feminist is right here. There, this isn't fair for for women at all. This is like if like I think I think of my niece and nephew, or sort of like my niece Quinn, runs in track. One day maybe she's super fast. Who knows? She runs in a race. All of a sudden she gets to the the finals, and all of a sudden she comes up with a, a guy who would have run for the men. Nothing has changed physically with them. It's just an identity. I've changed my identity, and maybe maybe I cut something off. I don't know. But like, well, nothing see, the, and these are the updated rules that um, that the article was was alluding to is that you can now compete without surgery. That's, that's so ridiculous. right. So men, legitimately without surgery, still have a penis, still have testosterone, still have everything that they you know they're not. You can just go and lift against the women now. Yeah. 
no, you can't. Uh, well, you can in the rules, but I mean, like, realistically, it's a man competing against against women. One, I, I feel ashamed for the person. I almost feel embarrassment for the transgender athlete here because, like, also, too, like. He should be. He should be ashamed of himself. A hundred percent he should. Like, he's going to, if he wins, I don't know. I don't know anything about Olympics, Olympic sports, like what the rankings are, but I would assume he's switching for the fact that he's going to win this medal, like, yeah, or else I'm why sure would you bother? He's um, going to be yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So when he wins, congratulations, you now have a woman's gold medal for weightlifting. He'll be like, well, I'm a woman too. Be like, no, you're actually not because you, you can't change your chromosomes. And That's so right. like that, that can't be changed. There's, there's X and there's Y and nothing you do surgery even included changes the fact that you're a man versus yeah. women. The other thing that's super annoying about all this is the women have no chance now. I mean, I don't mean that because I think, oh, like men are always going to beat women. There are plenty of women in the world who are probably stronger than me. But I mean, like if you get elite athletes competing, there's a reason women soccer players don't play against men's soccer players. And there's no women in the NBA because just simply it just doesn't work that way at sports. It's not about equality. It's about who is the best. It is survival of the fittest. This is what sports is all about. Being the best. Usain Bolt is the fastest man on earth and he's faster than the fastest woman on earth. That's just simple facts. That's not, doesn't make him better or more valuable. It's just plain facts. We start playing politics in sports where we can now say, oh, well, this man can compete against the women. And that systematically ruins women's sports, which therefore means that all of what we've been fighting for, when I say we, I'm talking like I'm a feminist now, but what the (laughs) feminists have been fighting for, for 50 years, 60 years is to be treated and taken seriously in all these avenues. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, now the trans people can come in and just dominate it. Let's call it what it is. It's just men coming back in and dominating what, what they were always doing. So like feminism just got kicked in the face. Like, and it's like, it's actually, go ahead, go go ahead. ahead. I was just gonna say, and like, I'm not a feminist, but like, at the same time, I'm like, girl power here. You know what I mean? Like I want women to <laughs> compete because of the simple fact that I want women to compete against women and men to compete against men. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I would like the best to be the best. That's all it is. Remember when there was a meme when uh, Bruce Jenner won like woman of the year and it was like, you know, yeah, 2000 and whatever it was like 2015 is a great, uh, great year for men. We, we won greatest woman on earth competition or like woman of the year competition. And there's a bunch of other stuff because of transgender athletes as well. But um, yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and what's interesting is almost this kind of goes back to our episode uh, last week about alpha and beta males is you have this like the feminists have taken down the alpha males and then the beta males come and take down the feminists because they just transition to be to become women. You're basically saying I can be a better girl than you. Like. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So where I'm trying to go with this though is like this was inevitable, right? So the clash between the LGBT community and the feminist community is is inevitable. And it's because it's all part of the cultural revolution. And because like Saturn, revolutions devour their children. The idea here is that there's no breaks on this system. So what happens in a revolution is the elite class or the nobles or the ruling class get killed by the peasants. And then whoever was right underneath the nobles become the new nobles. And then they have to be killed by the people under them. And then 
the people under them become the new ruling class and they have to be killed. There's no breaks on this thing. Everybody, you're, it's just a matter of tearing down. And like I said, it goes back to our episode last week. This is the beta male tendency is to tear down what's in front of you rather than competing on legitimate grounds, rather than trying to overcome on legitimate grounds, tearing down what's in front of you in order to become the new top of the hierarchy. And probably the most, most infamous political evil man in in modern history, Joseph Stalin, right? 60 million people died under his tyranny. Revolution, what happened is he killed all of his competitors and then he began to crush those under him because he understood that they'll turn on him eventually because he took power by killing those ahead of him and recognize that there's no break unless you crush those then underneath you. And and what we're seeing in culture right now, this is what's at the root, at the heart of cancel culture, is you have Western women who try to tear down the patriarchy, right? And then what you have is minority women tearing down Western women, right? And then what you have is LGBT women tearing down minority women, and it's this constant competition, and this this comes with intersectionality and critical race theory and all this kind of stuff, is like whoever is the most marginalized tears down the people in front of them who were getting the attention. You're competing with how victimized you are, and however, who, he who is the most victimized wins the day by tearing down those who are sort of in front of them on the privilege scale. And so there's just what what we want to try to highlight here is that there's absolutely no breaks on this thing. This thing does not end because revolution will always devour its own children. Yeah, Cancel can, culture. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say you can see this in history. If you if you're a student of history, if you want to do any research, exactly. Look up genocides in countries, Rwanda, other countries like yes. in the in the world. A revolution happens. A different group seizes power, and what do they do? They systematically put to death an entire people group. That's right. Why? Because they were the ones that are oppressed. And so when they take back power, they need to then basically revenge on the people who had put them in, in power. But it's also from the simple fact that if I've just take, seized power from you, what's to stop you seizing power back? You know what I mean? Yeah. So the only thing I can do... I, exactly. In this mindset, the natural thing to do is to, to destroy you. Like, yeah. don't leave any ha- half measures. If I want to hold power, I need to destroy the people who have had power previously. Right. So like if we think about it in this culture war that we're playing with, like every minority group, every sect that takes power or who's on the top of the cultural hill at the moment needs to tear down everybody around them so that they can stay on the on the top of the hill. You know what I mean? Because like the simple fact is another dark night quote is like Caesar, he lives long enough to see himself become the villain. You know what I mean? Like, and that's what we're trying to die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Right. Yeah. I I realized I was butchering the quote and I felt bad about it. So I'm glad you (laughs) said it. Just saving it. Just saving it. What's interesting. I don't know if you saw this, Chris, there's a girl who comes to our church uh, named Hannah Salomon Vey. She's on Tanya Granick Allen's show counterpoint. uh, And they always talk about politics and, and what's going on in culture. And so I was watching that Hannah had sent it to me. And so she did a really good job talking about, I don't know if you saw Ron McLean. Did you see how he's, he got into hot water recently? Did you see this? I just saw that he got into trouble. I'm not a hockey fan though. So, yeah, so he, so what happened was he was, he was talking to a guy behind him. So the guys at home, cause they're all on zoom obviously. And behind him, he had a picture of some dude with his shirt off. And the two of them were in the picture together and uh, and drinking like rum or something. And Ron McLean said, the guy said something along the lines of, you know, I'm, I'm the most positive guy in the room or something. And he says, well, 
you got a picture behind you with a guy with his tarp off. You're obviously positive for something. I mean, it was, it was just a stupid, like sometimes you just say things, right. And like, I'm sure he wished he took it back, but I think what he was saying is like, you know, the, and they did, they looked hammered in the picture. Right. So he, I think it was his point there was, or what he said his point was, was that you guys are sitting there like loaded up on rum. Like you guys look pretty hammered. Like basically he was saying positive for rum, but the LGBT community jumped on him thinking that he was talking about like being gay and that it was like a, a derogatory uh, slur about this guy being gay because he was in a picture with a, with a topless dude or something like that. Anyway, the whole point in saying all that is just stupid and and you know cancel culture is crazy. But what's funny about that is that do you remember like a year ago or two years ago, yeah, Ron McLean rolled over on Don Cherry when Don Cherry you uh, said the comment of you people and Ron McLean like totally threw Don Cherry under the bus. Don Cherry lost his job and and got canceled. And then here's Ron <laughs> McLean and his first slip up. Now he's in danger of getting canceled. Why? Well, it's because, again, there's no breaks on the cultural revolution, right? Revolution devours its own children. And so you can't stay on top for long without getting canceled yourself. And this is why I think you're seeing all of the elites, whether they're actors or whatever, now they're actually starting to speak out against cancel culture because they recognize nobody's safe in this, right? Like I can cancel somebody, but then next they're coming for me. The problem with cancel culture is that there is no there is no baseline that they're adhering to. That's so right. what the what the foundation of the cancel culture is shifts so fast that nobody can keep up with it. We would all be like, yeah, cancel Kevin Spacey. You know what I mean? Because of the things he's done to like minors. We're all fine with can but like there are so many people who are getting canceled for things they said 20 years ago when the culture was a different place. You could make a joke like a comedian, I can't remember the comedian's name, I think it's Kevin Hart, made a comment that's like in context 20 years ago it was pushing the line but nowadays it's like you could never even say that but he's getting canceled for it now right not 20 years ago because the the culture because of the cancel culture is the the baseline that we're we're working off of changes with whoever's voice is the loudest at the moment um so like if it's the me too movement the black lives matter movement whatever movement is currently the front runner in the in the in the shouting from the soapbox type thing whatever that narrative is that's what everybody's getting canceled for which is really the difference between revolution why we would say no to revolutions but we are pro reformation because the exactly. reformation is the difference between a, a reformation and a revolution is the revolution is simply about seizing is about change for change's sake seizing power seizing where reformation power. is about is about change to get back to truth that's you know right. I mean, like it's not it's not a permanent change. It's 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 lasting change to get back to what's right. That's right. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And that's exactly where I wanted to take this conversation. So well done, Chris. Good transition. Good segue. Um, so, is, soldier thunder. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what that's where I wanted to go with this conversation was, you know, so what what is the Christian alternative to revolution? Right. If it's not just right. Cancel culture is cancel others before they cancel you. Right. Kill before you get killed. Eat before you get eaten kind of thing. Yeah. Revolution um, is survival of the fittest. Right. That's it. So. Well, exactly. Because its foundation is is Darwinian evolution. So revolution is meet the new boss. He's exactly like the old boss right like that's because you know as soon as the guy at the top is assassinated as soon as that ruling class is taken out the next ruling class is the exact same because they have the exact same depraved heart maybe a different kind of sin but still a sinner nonetheless 
So revolution is the new boss is just like the old boss. Revolution happens fast, right? We've seen how quickly the culture has changed with this revolution and, and it just picks up speed as it goes. And in, in revolution, the ends always justify the means, right? We saw this during the BLM riots, right? So you have cities getting set on fire. And what did you and I get told all the time when we were speaking out against what was happening with Black Lives Matter is, is just like, well, you don't understand. They're trying to bring about revolution. They're trying to bring about change. They've been oppressed for years. You got to let them do their thing. We're, if a few we're doing cities, this for the greater good. It's for the greater good, right? It's that ends justify the means idea. And like you said, it's seizing power. So what is reformation? So reformation is the Christian alternative to revolution. Well, that's not just introducing a new boss, it's introducing godly rule, right? It's introducing the lordship of Christ. Here's the new boss, or here is the boss, and it's it's the God, it's the creator of the universe. It's also slow, it's not fast, right? It's, it's This is why the Bible uses agrarian language here. It's a mustard seed that has to grow into a, a mustard tree. It's the leaven that has to be worked through the whole loaf, right? It's the stone that becomes a mountain that grows and fills the whole earth. There's this slow, steady transformation that's at the heart of reformation. Whereas what's the chant of the revolution? What do we want? Change. When do we want it? Now, wow. right? There's there's an immediacy. There's a uh, an impatience there. So reformation is slow, but it's also principled. The ends don't justify the means, right? It's principled. How you act in the midst of reformation matters. You can't sin in order to bring about less sin. You have to, uh, I guess, go for God's ends while walking through God's means. And reformation has staying power, whereas revolution, it's just on to the next, right? There's no breaks on it. The next class rises up and there's just a, a perpetual cycle to revolution, whereas reformation has lasting power. And here's a real world example of this. And you see this right now with the, t the whole tug of war between the Republicans and the Democrats in the United States. You have this tug of war right now. And there's somebody who said that, you know, Trump's greatest legacy was the fact that he just packed the upper and lower courts with conservative judges. And that's good. Like, that's a good end. Don't get me wrong. I'm not disparaging that at all. But so many people were placing all this faith and hope that Donald Trump was going to pack the Supreme Court in such a way that Roe v. Wade could be overturned. Well, what's the problem with that approach? That's just Christians thinking in a revolutionary mindset, right? We're just going to overthrow the ruling class by changing it, right? And in that case, they're not assassinating judges, thank God, but, they, but they're nominating new judges who are, quote, on their side. So if, if you want to abolish abortion in Canada with a Supreme Court ruling, all you're doing is you're paving the way for the revolutionaries, for the left, to come back when power shifts and just flip-flop it the other way. That's not the best approach. And don't get me wrong, abortion is important enough, you've run all the plays. But my point here is, is that if you aren't principled in your approach, and you don't understand the lasting power of reformation, as opposed to the temporary changes of revolution, then Christians are simply going to be taking ground that's going to be taken back. Absolutely. Reformation is sanctification. You know what I mean? It's, it's a slow process of changing all facets. We look at this with ourselves. Christ could save us and change us into a glorified being right away. It could happen. He's he's powerful enough to do it, but he doesn't. He leaves us here to slowly be conformed to the image of his son. He doesn't leave us here in our same state. He gives us the power to change into something that's better. You know what I mean? Be holy as I as I am holy. 
in a cultural mindset, this is the exact same thing. Revolution is checkers. A reformation is chess. And we need to play chess, not checkers, right? That's right. Um, because when you play checkers, it's 50-50. I can win one time and lose the next time. Whereas chess, if you're good at chess, I win every time. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like the simple, simple yeah, the best people no. like in, in, in chess. And the, I, sorry, I watched the Queen's Gambit. So I'm all like, I'm all, on, I'm all up on chess now. <laughs> um, no, but like chess is a game of strategy. They know how to win the game and it's the long game. It's not playing to win tomorrow it's to it's playing to win the next hundred years you know what i mean right. that's what christians need to play that's what reformation of society is and that's we right. do that by not thinking tomorrow we're thinking tomorrow next week right. next month next year all the way down the line which is why we're both post-millennial yep. which is why we can look at history and say we're winning that's whereas right. like somebody who's playing revolution looks at it and be like well my worldview isn't winning right now it's worse off today than it was yesterday because they're looking at it too narrow. I saw, right. I see you want to jump in. What I was going to say is uh, we were kind of doing this episode to give ourselves a bit of a reprieve of everything that's going on right now, but I'm, I'm going to recant that. <laughs> I'm going to jump in. So, well, here's, yeah. Well, and he, and this is the point though, is like, there are a whole lot of short-sighted pastors right now who are trying to say, look, we can, we can follow restrictions. We can close up right now because it's just temporary. It's just this, it's just that. And they're, they're not seeing the long game here. And the long game that's happening is you have told the state that they are head of your church. You've told the state that they can impose restrictions on your worship. You've told the state that they can shut down the church when they want to, and that they don't even need to provide you with the evidence. This is the short-sighted, the narrow view, the, the short game view of so many pastors is we're not quite sure what's going on. We're just going to trust the experts. We're going to trust the government, Romans 13, and we're going to do what they said because it's just temporary. Well, here we are a year and a half in, and let's just say this whole thing wraps up. Like we're watching it actually ramp up. You know, restrictions are slowly lifting, but the control is actually intensifying. They're talking about closing borders. You see that they're um, they're going to open up borders July 5th for the those who are fully vaccinated only. So travel between the states is going to become increasingly difficult for those who aren't vaccinated and going to become easier for those. So, so we're seeing one cast in society having restrictions lifted, but for the rest of us, not so much. So I just say all that to say the short-sightedness of, of so many pastors is the failure to see the long game, the failure to be involved in reformation, right? The failure to see that what you say Caesar can do to your church today is going to affect what Caesar will do in your church tomorrow. That's the problem. Absolutely, right? This is why compromise becomes easier every single time, right? I, yeah. I, I, I seem like I harp on, on the closed churches all the time, but this is why we need to be not compromising people in these, in these areas, because if you're used to hearing yes from me, you're going to ask for more and more and more. And it's so much harder to at the, like down the road to stop that than it is to stop it right away. If you're just like, no, no, I'm just not doing that. You can get in those, in those habits right away um, is what I mean. I don't want to harp on the, the closed churches more than we did last week when I called them all cowards, but I mean like open your damn churches. <laughs> so. Amen. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, that was my um, couldn't sleep last night, watch the dark night, all the thoughts that spiral around in my head. Hopefully uh, that was helpful to some people. And I would just say, what's your action plan for this? Well, we just gave you a little bit of action plan for what's going on in your life and in your culture right now. But here's, here's another good action plan for those of you who have not read it. Go and read, buy and read Doug Wilson's Rules for Reformers. Phenomenal book. 
It's all about equipping you for cultural engagement and cultural reformation. And I think it's an excellent book. I know you read it last year. So let's plug that. Go and read Rules for Reformers. That's your homework after today's episode, eh, Pudi? Your essay is due on Thursday of next week. <laughs> Pudi um, will mark it. I will mark it. Toby Sumter narrates the audiobook. Yeah. And so like, yeah. if you want to, don't want to read it, you want to listen to it because you're doing your drive or whatever. I don't know what your lifestyles are like. Toby Sumter's voice is like, it's, it's, it's like a really long drink to, of water. It's, I, was, <laughs> I was trying to think of something to say about it, uh, but it, like, it's delightful to yeah. listen to. It. He narrates his own book, uh, Bloodbot World on Audible, eh? It's good. I, I, I have a hard copy of that. I didn't have the... Yeah, yeah. The um, anyway, yeah. So go and read Rules for Reformers and we'll come back next week and maybe we'll start inserting a little bit of Spot the Lie. I always feel like we always get lots of feedback whenever we talk about Spot the Lie and people... So it, actually, if you're listening to this and you have any thoughts on like whatever your kids are into now or, or, you know, something that's going on. If we know the movie or we're willing to watch the movie or the show or the song or the ad or whatever, um, we, we love playing Spot the Lie and helping people uh, think through culture and the lies being told to us biblically. So, all righty. Anything you want to say last minute here, Chris, before we sign off? No, no, that's, that's great. Dark Knight's great. Thank you for creating an entire episode about you the Dark bet. Knight. Uh, just, I thought you'd, I thought you'd appreciate it. See, it's not, so, it's not so bad when I surprise you. I don't know if, if people are still listening to this. So I can, I'm letting it out of the bag, but we don't generally prepare too much about what we're going to say. We just kind of pick a topic and talk. Yeah, but maybe like, that's painfully obvious to people. I don't know. It's very, it might very much, be. but like, it's very rare that you don't even tell. Like, we don't tell each other the topic. And today, like, you're like, <laughs> we're going to talk. Here's the topic. Don't worry we're, about it, Chris. You'll find you'll out where we're going. You'll be fine. So I thought it was pretty good considering yeah. we had no idea what we were doing. You rolled with it well. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks for indulging me. I All right, it. everybody. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening. And until next week, go fight, laugh, feast. Do we say that or? I don't know. I don't know. All right. We need to come up with a closing segment, I think. See ya. See ya.